If you want to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, we, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We are in the book of Philippians. We've been walking through uh, the book of Philippians, and we are almost to the end. We're at the end section, and we are probably on one of the most famous verses uh, in the Bible that's all over the place. You know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, some of you don't care. Some of you didn't know. Um, some of you mildly care, whatever. Um, but, you know, this is one of those verses that you might actually hear at the end of the Super Bowl, usually from the winner, although it should probably be from the loser, but uh, <laughs> as you will see later. And I apologize because I'm about to destroy your favorite verse, so just prepare yourself and get ready. Um, just want to apologize about that before we get there. So we are in Philippians 4 and verse 10, and so we're going we're gonna to start reading there. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word of God just as we read it right now in Jesus' name. It says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need And I know what it is to have plenty or have an abundance. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Or more famously, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to focus on, on those three verses in this one idea uh, this morning for just a few minutes. Um, and it's the idea of contentment. He sa- Paul says here, he breaks it down and says, look, I've had a lot and I've had nothing, but I have learned the secret. I'm like, what is it? I read that and I go, what's the secret? I mean, don't you sometimes read your Bible and, and just wonder, like, can we just spell it out sometimes? Can the next verse be, this is the secret. Do this, and then your life will be amazing, right? Just, if you just do this one thing, but that's not the way it works, right? It's not, it's not the way life works. Uh, if you think that's the way uh, following Jesus works, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's not magic. It's a relationship with him. We want it to be magic, right? We, we want it to be instantaneous. We want to just snap our fingers or sing the right song or do the right thing. Uh, but, but it's not. It's a relationship with him. It's trusting him, just as we were talking about. And so Paul found the secret. Um, and I'm going to share with you a couple of things that I think is the secret. And I think number one is, is trust. And it's not trust in... Me, it's not trust in yourself, it's not trust in our country, it's not trust in the economy, it's not definitely not trust in the oil field, it's not trust in in anything we can see here, it's trust in Jesus alone. Because Paul's contentment was not founded upon anything that he could touch or see, but upon someone who had never changed and was always with him. You know, we we live in a culture of mistrust right now. I mean, it's been definitely been amplified in the last couple of years, right? Uh, we don't, I mean, who even knows what's true anymore, right? We, we don't believe half the news, depending on which channel you watch, or some of us don't watch any of the channels. Um, and 
I think they're, they might all be lying. So, but we have that culture, right? We don't, we don't trust anything. We don't trust what we read. We don't trust what we see. Uh, and so it's a culture of mistrust. And that gives rise to, you know, all kinds of conspiracy theories. Now, I'm not going to, don't, my wife is not in, hold me down, okay? <laughs> I am not going to go off on the rails here. Uh, and I go off on the other side, though, sometimes. <laughs> um, so, but we, I mean, think about it. Back in the day, like, it was only the weird people who believed the conspiracy theories. I mean, that was like, you know, the people, and, and forgive me if you believe this, but you're wrong. Um, <laughs> we did land on the moon. <laughs> I mean, I didn't personally, but th- those people landed on the moon. That wasn't fake, okay? But there's a whole group of people. That believe, and they've got their videos, and they've got their things. And some of you are all looking at me like, "Man, I just watched that last night, brother, on Netflix, and you're wrong." So uh, I'm not trusting the rest of what you say today. But think about that. I'm just using that as an example. If that destroys something or whatever, we can argue about that later. Uh, but but think about that. I mean, it's like that's like a a, fr- a fringe belief for such a long time. Um, but now we've got all these theories, and I'm not going to go into them because you might be like, that's the one I believe hardcore, and I'm sold out to it, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's ridiculous, whatever. And you'll think the same thing about some of the things. But that's, that's the culture we live in. Is the, when there's a culture of mistrust, you have to make up truth. You have to find something that you believe in. And so that's why everything, you know, when we have all the confusion in the world, people are looking for something to believe in. And so when they find something that feeds a need or, or works in their mind or whatever, they just latch onto it. And it's on both sides of every spectrum, political and whatever, you know, all those spectrums, there's, there's, there's these things, but it's because there's a culture of mistrust. But Paul found the secret was to put his trust in someone who's not just from here. Because if we're looking to trust earth, we're always going to be disappointed. There's always going to be someone that's not speaking the truth. There's going to, always going to be someone that's not trustworthy. But Jesus is always trustworthy. And I can trust him that whether I have a lot or I have a little, guess what? I'm going to trust him. When I look all around me and there's confusion, I don't know who to believe or what to believe or what's real or what's not. Should I do this or should I not? Should I, you know, all the things, we, decisions we've had to make and point the finger at somebody else because they made the different decision than us. When all the while we're supposed to be pointing our eyes at Jesus and saying, I trust you. Now, what, are, what am I supposed to do in the middle of all this? How am I supposed to live in a culture that doesn't trust anybody, that doesn't trust anything, that dr- doesn't trust authority, that is, has a suspicion about everything and everyone? We have to introduce people to Jesus because he's the only one who doesn't change. He's the only one that's going to be 100% trustworthy. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to fail you. I'm not going to be perfect. And nobody think, I hope nobody thinks I'm, I'm perfect here. Um, first of all, you just ask my wife. Uh, we, okay. For those of you on the live stream that didn't catch that, he said, or, my, or your father. So, um, oh, I'm not going to get off track here. You know, when we were on our honeymoon, yes, I'm going to get off track. It's one of the funniest stories. 
is here's if you're those of you that are not married yet, this is what you don't do on your honeymoon. Okay? Don't do this. I, actually, don't do this ever. Ever. It doesn't matter if you're on your honeymoon or not. Okay? So we're going to Hawaii. It's our honeymoon. So we fly, you know, on an amazing airplane. And, you know, we're, you don't even sit down when you're on your honeymoon, right? You just, you float. We could have just, we don't even need the plane, right? Um, so we're, we're getting there. And then we have to do, this is in what year did I get married? 2004. So we get there and they give us a map. Okay, some of y'all don't know what that is, but, uh, you know, we couldn't just whip out our cell phone and say, take me to the hotel, Siri, and, you know, here it is. And so we had to read the map, and so, you know, Honolulu is kind of confusing, and so to get from the airport to the hotel was a little bit frustrating, and so I said this to my 19-year-old bride when we weren't, didn't seem like we were going in the right direction. I said, don't you know how to read a map? I'm still alive, yeah. <laughs> Are you saying Dave would have been dead? So, <laughs> Injured. <laughs> now you know how loving Ashley is. <laughs> how much love is in her heart. <laughs> but why was I telling this? <laughs> Because I'm not perfect. We figured that out. We're all going to say something that we don't want to say to one another. We're all going to fail one another. But everything Jesus says, he's never going to say to us, don't you know how to do this? Aren't you glad that he doesn't say those things? That's why Paul, Paul met Jesus. And he really knew Jesus. And so his life was transformed. And so he's like... I trust him. I mean, Paul's life was not very exciting or easy. I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was imprisoned multiple times. He wrote this book from prison. uh, And it's a book of joy and like celebration. And you're like, whoa, you know a secret that most people don't know. I have learned the secret. So in a culture of mistrust and discontentment, I get to be a shining example as I trust Jesus that I can say, I rest in you, O Lord. And trust allows us to enter into something amazing called grace. And grace, we sometimes think of grace as just like, that God's grace is like, you know, He overlooks our sins and covers our sins. And that, that's certainly part of it, you know, that he forgives us. But grace is also God's power to live differently. It's not just that we that God covers our sins and says you're forgiven. He says, no, and now I'm going to give you something so you can live in freedom and power. And so you can live a life that looks more like Jesus, that you can actually live a life of trust. Second Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 is Paul writing another place. And he's talking about the grace of God. And it says, But he said to me, it's like he was speaking to God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I haven't figured that verse out yet. I just want you to know. Because I, I'm kind of the guy that likes, man, I, want to, I don't like weakness. I, I just want to be, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a firstborn child. I, I can figure it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do it myself. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to rely on my talents and abilities and, you know, what I, what I have in myself. And Paul says, guess what? It's not enough. When we surrender to Jesus, we're saying, basically, Lord, I'm weak. And it says his grace is sufficient. In other words, the grace of God is enough for any situation where I find myself in need. The grace of God is enough to forgive that person who's, who doesn't deserve forgiveness. But I'm going to give it anyway because the power of God's grace is in my life. It's not me. It's Jesus Christ living in me. And so when we, when we allow trust, and so, so Paul, had, he was well-fed or hungry. He had all these situations, uh, but he had the grace of God. He had the power of God flowing through him because he was surrendered to Jesus and trusted him. It goes the other side, too. Some people don't know how to live with a lot. Some people don't know how to live with blessing. You know, when, you, when God blesses you, and maybe that's, you know, with a great family, or he blesses you with a good job, or he blesses you with an amazing pastor, or whatever, you know, whatever God has given you, uh, you know, he, he blesses you financially. Some people don't know how to handle it, but there's also a grace to abound. There's also a grace where you don't have to apologize because God has blessed you. It's like, hey, I had a great family and I was raised. God blessed me in a godly family with a loving father and a loving mother who poured out their lives for me and showed me what it means to follow Jesus. So I don't know what people are talking about when they say, oh, yeah, my dad was horrible. I don't have to apologize for that. I can celebrate and say, I've received the grace of God in my life to live in the abundance of the of the whole wholeness and health that was imparted to me in my family. And I get to share it now. I get to be generous because when you have an abundance, you get to be generous. If God blesses you with an abundance of finances, then guess what? You don't need to apologize, but you get to be generous. You get to live in the grace of generosity. And his grace is sufficient to where your heart will not be drawn to worship money and be greedy. No, your heart will be drawn to thank, be more thankful and be more generous. And be a blessing and finance and bless the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of God right here and around the world. So number one is trust. Number two is thanksgiving. You know, all throughout the book of Philippians, uh, Paul talks about giving thanks. In chapter two, he says, hey, do everything without grumbling or complaining. That is, have you, if you've ever tried that, it's very difficult. Have you tried to just live life and, you know, it's very difficult not to complain. I mean, we're just so used to it. We just like, oh my goodness, and like... Um, yeah, don't, don't pat your spouse or something right now. So no. <laughs> Just look at someone across the room and um, I'm thinking about you. No. Um, right before this section, what, what, 
for those of you that were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, we offer our prayers to God, what? With thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which goes beyond anything we can think of in our mind, will be a guard and a heart over our minds. And so one of, one of the ways to battle discontentment in my heart is to be thankful. Is to practice thanksgiving. It's so interesting that my wife happened to read that psalm that says, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving. It, that Felicia happened to pick out the song that says, we enter the gates and we, with thanksgiving. Um, they didn't talk to each other because Ashley doesn't look at the song list. She doesn't even know how to look at the song list. Um, so um, n- none of us talked about that, but there's, there's something about thanksgiving. And, you know, I know I've preached on this several times, but the power of giving thanks is like it, it actually can change like your mental state. Like there are things like spiritual things affect your body. So if you're a thankful person, guess what? You're, you might be healthier. You're definitely going to be a lot more at peace. You're, you're, and you're going to be a lot more content because what is our, our culture is also not just a culture of mistrust. It's a culture of discontentment. In other words, if I could just get this or if I could, if some, if this would just change, then I'd be happy. Or if I could make a little bit more money or if my wife just stopped doing this or if my husband just would actually do this or if. I actually had a wife or a husband or, you know, if I just, you know, if my church was just a little bit better, if, if my pastor could just preach a little bit shorter, whatever, you know, I don't know what it is for you, you know, <laughs> but there's always something, you know, our culture. I mean, it's basically how how marketing and advertising work, right, is basically to to sow discontentment in you. You need this. If you have this, if you drink this beer or soda or whatever, then you're going to be happy like all the people on the screen. You know, if you just had this certain car, then you would be happy. If you just had a better job, then you would be happy. The problem is it's still you there and maybe it's you. I'm just talking to myself. (laughs) Sometimes we just have to be content with ourselves. Say, God, I'm just going to rest in you. I mean, this doesn't mean we don't pursue things. This doesn't mean we, like, you know, stay in an abusive or bad situation or anything like that. I'm not saying any of those things. Uh, I am just saying when you're following Jesus and you want to battle discontentment, trust and thanksgiving are key. Get up in the morning and start with not the thing you need, but the thing you're thankful for. I love the... uh, there's a there's a marriage a, vi- a bunch of marriage videos we watch sometimes that we've done the the uh, marriage teaching of John and Lisa Bevere um, I can't even remember what it's called um, but in the, there's a story where he tell, talks about they were having a huge struggle in their marriage and it was early on oh there's my wife hi babe talking about marriage um, <laughs> and uh, they had a big fight, you know, they were really upset. It's one of those fights where he 
he, he's like, I'm leaving. You know, he's, he slams the door and she's like, good, I want you to leave or whatever, you know. And so they all leave. And so John leaves and he's, he's complaining to God. You know, he's talking about, I can't believe this, you know, if this woman would just be a godly woman and blah, blah, blah. If she would just, you know, pray a little bit more. He's kind of a super spiritual guy, uh, sometimes overly uh, pharisaical. Um, and so he's praying all this and, and he felt like God said this. I want you to thank me for one thing about Lisa. That's his wife, John and Lisa. And he says, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. And so God said, I want you to thank me for one thing about Lisa. So finally, he says, okay, she's a good cook. Thank you, God, that she's a good cook. And God said, how about one more? (laughs) So thank you, God, that she's, she's a good mom. God said, hey, well, how about one more? And then I can't remember what, those were the first two. And then, it, then, it, then he said, then I begin to just thank God for my wife. And then at some point, it was no longer just obeying God. It was coming from his heart. And he began to weep. And he, he, he ran back home, threw himself at his wife's feet, you know, and, said, and basically, you know, forgive me, you're amazing. <laughs> God had worked on her heart too. Hey, guys, God had worked on her heart too. <laughs> Spoke to her and, you know, all this stuff. So there was, there, was, there was a reconciliation. But sometimes what we need is just to be thankful. The power of thanksgiving can shift our perspective on reality. And so the third thing I, I, I believe is part of the secret, I'm not saying this is all of it, um, is, is perspective. Uh, is to fix my eyes not, as, not on one as seen but what is unseen second corinthians four seventeen and 18 says this for our light and momentary troubles this is paul again the guy that got beat up so many times and whipped and shipwrecked for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is so key is because if we could get our eyes off of what is going to pass away anyway and fix our eyes on what is unseen and, and is eternal, then everything can change. And guess what? I'm a lot more content because my eyes are not on my situation, which also just as a reminder, is temporary. Every situation is not going to last forever. Praise the Lord, right? (laughs) Hey, if you're going through a horrible season right now, a horrible time in your life, guess what? It's not going to last forever. I'm not promising you it won't last the rest of your life on earth. It doesn't promise that. But it won't last forever. And eternity is going to so outweigh and destroy everything that happens on this earth. That's why Jesus or Paul is always saying, you've got to look to Jesus. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to look at what's unseen. And we will have a, a, a shift in our perspective because we will begin to look at things from heaven's perspective instead of earth's. Can you imagine? What does heaven look like? you know, towards the family situation that you're struggling with right now, what is heaven's perspective compared to earth's perspective? Man, there's a whole different 
whole different set of, you know, parameters of vision from heaven than there is on earth. I had a, a, a teacher when I was in, in Bible college, and he was probably one of the people that uh, most affected me with just being so sold out to what is unseen, not as what is seen. And his name was uh, Dr. John Lewersey. I might cry, sorry. I'll make my dad cry too. Um, John Lewersey was Dutch, and he was kind of kind of a nerdy guy. <laughs> like he was before that word was even used, or, but he was a brilliant man. Uh, he spoke like seven languages fluently and more that he could get around in. Um, he was very studied, but he was uh, he was also a missionary, and he was a missionary that they dropped out of a plane into the jungles of Papua New Guinea among a savage tribe of cannibals. So you, you know how hardcore he was, right? This is <laughs> and this is the amazing thing. You know, he gets dropped off in this... In this uh, I mean, he came out... Like they lowered him out of a helicopter or a plane or something. He'd tell us the stories... He'd show us the, sl- the old slideshows. We'd have like slideshow thing, you know, like click, next slide, you know. And so that was always, you know, we knew we were going to get that in every class we had of his. didn't matter. We got the slideshows. Um, but it was such an amazing story because he was, you know, he's dropped out of the sky basically and just like, okay. And he just went and tried to live in this tribe that normally ate other people. They would kill the other tribes and actually eat them. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's almost like, is this real? Uh, but in their culture, see, God sometimes always plants a little truth in every every culture. In their culture, there was a there was kind of a old folklore tale, kind of a the, the story that someday the great power or God or whatever they believed in, uh, there would be someone that would come out of the sky, and they would be super tall because they, they they were also very short. Um, and they would be white. Their skin would be white. They had never seen a white person before. And so, even before my professor, John Lewersey, before he was a professor, dropped out of the sky, God had miraculously prepared the way that they wouldn't kill him right away because they were like, we saw you come from the sky and you are t- way taller than us <laughs> and you got white skin. So, he learned the language, he lived with them. And then he began to share the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus with them. And when he, by the time he, was, he had left, 97% of that tribe had come given their hearts to Jesus. They were no longer cannibals, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> they stopped killing and eating one another, and that whole region was really transformed. And so that, that's who he was. And so then he became a professor at our Foursquare Bible College. And uh, then we got word that he was in the hospital uh, battling cancer and that he was on it, on, probably going to die unless God intervened, unless there was some miracle in his life. And I remember we were, us as college students, we went, we, we would go up there and we were going to go encourage him, like, okay, we're going to go support our teacher. And so we had, it was very cool, we had like several people just brought their guitars and we're just singing worship songs to the Lord in the hospital room there. And so we were going in there like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and he looked at us and said, 
What? Of course I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm about, I'm ready to go right now. Because he had his eyes fixed, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. John Lewersey taught me how to die. His eyes were on Jesus to the very end, full of joy. He was, there was no fear. There was, there was total, it was like peace was just like saturating the room. Like everybody that came in there was just, it was the presence of God. Uh, you know, when you fix your eyes on what is unseen, you, you, you might become more aware of the peace of God, of the presence of God, of the power of God, of the reality of eternity, of that, hey, this, this world is not our home. This is not the end. This is, this is not what it's all about here. Like there's good things, there's, there's blessings, but there's, there's hard things. But guess what? Heaven is real. And heaven is not earth. And there's not going to be earth 2.0. <laughs> it's not just the upgraded earth edition, Okay. Thankfully, Microsoft didn't do it or Apple or anybody, you know, like this is Jesus says like, no, we're going to do a whole new thing. We're not just going to upgrade. It's going to be totally different. And so we get to fix our eyes. And so I think Paul, man, he just he just continually. And so he's he's basically says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sorry, all you football players, but it doesn't, this isn't about playing football better or doing something amazing. This is actually about going through something probably super devastating. But I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. The grace of God is enough for me to make it through. Thank you, Lord. We need that grace. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to have our leaders up here. If you want prayer here at the end of our service, um, please don't leave without, without getting prayed for. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about trusting God and, and having the peace of God in your heart and, and knowing God and having a relationship with Him, then, then come up and talk to one of these people that's up front. We'd love to pray with you today. If you have a need in your, in your family or your body, uh, you need a miracle. We believe in miracles. God still does miracles of all kinds. And so please, please don't leave without getting pray, prayed for. But I'm going to pray over us. And then anybody who wants prayer, just, just come on up as, as we close and we pray with you. So, Father, we just, we just hold our hands out to you right now. Lord, I pray for anybody who's in the season of being in, in want, Lord, being hungry, being going without, that's dealing with devastation, that's dealing with lack, Lord, that's dealing with, with a hard season. God, I thank you for the grace of God that's enough, that your grace is sufficient. And so we just declare the grace and peace of God over every life here today. And Jesus, we choose to trust you. Whether it seems like our life is a success right now or it seems like it's a total failure, we're going to trust you and we're going we're gonna to be thankful and we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus and we're going to do what he wants to do, not what we want to do. We want to be a part of what you're doing and fix our eyes on, on the thing that's, that's way better than what I can see with my eyes. You know, on someone who is transforming uh, lives on the inside, who is healing bodies, who is saving marriages, who is delivering people out of uh, financial bondage, God, whatever you 
need in, in this life, that, that He is enough, that His grace is enough to walk you through that season and, and by His grace also to bring you to a season where there's a season of victory, a season of plenty, a season of abundance. And you get to share that with somebody around you. So, Lord, help us, help us live a life where we do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Where it's not about our strength. Where we, we say, I can't do it on my own. I need you, Lord. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need thee, oh, Lord. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to minister truth to our hearts, God. Let the words that you want us to remember stay with us and let them repeat in our minds and in our hearts over and over again until we get that you're, you really do love us, that you really are trustworthy, that you, you really are good, that all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good, and so I will declare and sing, I will live and worship in, and praise in the goodness of God. I will, I will marvel, I will I will wonder, I will stand in awe of the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord, for the reality of who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.